I'm gonna trade my earthly home for a better one, bright and fair. Christ left to prepare a mansion for his children in the air. I'll join him in that land where tears, no sorrow can be found. And I'll receive my mansion, mansion, robe and crown. The weather there is always fair, there is sunshine day and night. No cold and no rain will fall there, for the sun shines ever bright. Good afternoon, it is Friday. Woohoo! It's Friday, February 23rd, 2018. I hope you had a good week thus far. Uh, I hope that uh, that you have spent some time with your family and, of course, working in your jobs, if, if you have a job, uh, uh, but also spending time with God and, and getting into His Word, and that's really why we do these videos every day, um, so that uh, we can get into God's Word together. And that is the theme of this year here at Loveland Heights Church of Christ, as you can see in the graphic up here, Together in God's Word in 2018. Our goal this year is to go through the entire New Testament, chapter by chapter, throughout the year. And each week we have a section of reading. This week is Mark 3 through 7. Today we're going to be looking at Mark 6. Um, and each day during the week we go through one of those chapters. And then on Sundays we actually bring a lesson from that reading. This week the lesson is going to be about hard hearts. I mentioned it earlier this week that I had been toying with that idea and I've decided we're going with that. Uh, so we're going to be talking about hard hearts and uh, the things that lead uh, or the things that a hard heart leads to. Um, so we'll be we'll be looking at that on Sunday morning. If you're able to join us, I hope you can. We gather together at 10 a.m. for Bible class for all ages, and then at 11 a.m. for worship, a time of singing, a time of praise and prayer. Uh, of course, we take time to memorialize and remember Christ's death and proclaim his death until he comes again uh, in our partaking of the Lord's Supper. And then, of course, we have that lesson. This Sunday is especially... Uh, special, uh, as we are having our monthly potluck and singing as well. Um, so after morning services, we're actually going to have a potluck immediately after. That potluck is breakfast theme. So it's going to be brunch, basically. So right after services, we're going to have brunch. Uh, and then after that, we're going to have our time of, of singing and devotional. Um, and then we'll be uh, dismissed for the day around 2, 3 o'clock, depending on uh, how long it takes everybody to eat. Uh, but ultimately, I hope that you can join us for that. It is a wonderful time of fellowship uh, and, of course, a great time of worship and praise together. With that said, let's get into Mark chapter 6, if you want to turn over there with me. And we'll start in verse 1. Now, again, just with other chapters, it's good. The beginning of the chapter says, He went away from there. Where was he? Well, if we go back, we see that he was in uh, Capernaum. Uh, and was there uh, with the, um, actually, I'm sorry, they were in the the Gerasenes. No, 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 no. No, that was the pigs, and then he came back. Yeah, he came back. But yeah, all right, all right, all right. So we're in Capernaum. Um, and so uh, here he is uh, with uh, the, the leader of the uh, synagogue's daughter, and, of course, the woman who touches him uh, as he's on his way to heal that little girl, um, and then from there, he went away again and came into his hometown. So he left where he was and goes back to Nazareth. That's his hometown. And his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? 
Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph, and, and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown, and among his relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid, hands, uh, laid his hands on a few sick people, and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. John chapter 1, Jesus came to his own, and they rejected him. They did not believe him. In his own hometown, this man who grew up there um, from a, a youngish age, um, many people knew him, obviously. You can see that the people knew him, they knew the family. But still, the things that he, were, he was speaking, they were astonished, but they took offense at him. Sometimes I wonder uh, if the people that we knew that knew us growing up and knew the type of people we were before we became Christians, um, how they would see us today. Would they take offense at us? Would they be shocked? You ever think about that? The impression that you're leaving on people is important uh, before and after Christianity, after you become a Christian. Verse 7. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Alright, so here we have some early evangelistic efforts with the disciples. And there's some principles to evangelism that we see in here. And the first of which, and I think one of the most important things, is that this is done in pairs. It's done two by two. It's done in a group, a small group. Why does he send them out two by two? Well, Jesus actually does this regularly. God regularly does this. The Spirit does this. So, uh, Jesus sending out the disciples here two by two. Later in uh, chapter 10, uh, it's either uh, Luke 10 or Mark 10, um, he sends out the 70. Uh, and he sends them out two by two. Um, Paul and Barnabas were sent by the Spirit to go together. And so, there you have your, your pair. And then when they split over their argument over uh, John Mark, no less, um, they still went in pairs. Paul and Silas, Barnabas and Mark. And so there was always this sense of a duo, a company. Um, and why is that important? Well, first of all, uh, two people working together can do more than what they can do working by themselves. They can encourage each other, they can um, help each other along the way, uh, but also you have to think about the plurality of witnesses that gives more credibility to their story. And so if there are multiple people saying these things, then it bears much more clout, if you will. Um, another thing that Jesus says here is that they were allowed to be supported. In fact, he says, don't take anything with you. Don't take an extra tunic. Just wear what you have. Wear your sandals. Take that. But that's it. Don't take any food. Don't take any money. Trust is basically what Jesus is saying. Trust me, and we're going to get you through this. 
Uh, All your needs are going to be provided. Uh, If you're not welcomed, if people won't listen to you, shake off the dust of your feet and move on from there. Now, there's an interesting principle to this in terms of evangelism, and that is selection. The apostles are basically told here to be selective. Preach to those who are willing to listen. And if those who would not receive their words or hear them, shake off the dust of your feet. You know, back in Matthew chapter 7 in the Sermon on the Mount, we're told not to cast your pearls before swine. People themselves judged themselves unworthy of the gospel by their lack of interest or their undesire to hear the truth. Because if that the truth of the gospel goes against the truth that they have in their heart or, or the truth that they desire, rather, um, then they're going to shut their ears off to that. So what Jesus is saying is rather than casting your pearls before those who don't appreciate it, move on. Um, now, admittedly, there's room for judgment here as to how long we try to reach someone before going on. Um, some may not show much interest at first, but they do later on. Um, but at some point, we need to turn to those who show more interest. Uh, and you can only find that out by having conversations about the Bible, period. Uh, you'll never know whether or not someone is willing to accept the gospel or, and hear the gospel and hear what you have to say about the gospel if you're not talking about it. I know that seems kind of obvious, but it's important and it's something that is missing. Um, just look at the world. Uh, Another important point uh, that I wanted to bring up about this is, just as we did before, the apostles were given the same powers as Jesus had to cast out demons, to heal the sick, over unclean spirits. And so they cast out many demons, anointed many with oil who were sick, and healed them. So they were given uh, this authority and this power to do these things. Why were they given these uh, gifts to, to perform? To support the witness, to support their testimony, to support their ministry okay they were given these things to uh, let people know what we're telling you is true this man this man called jesus he is the messiah you need to repent and if people aren't going to believe you you can do miracles jesus said they're going to give you the authority to do these things and and they did and so that gave people more reason to believe but still there are going to be those who didn't Jesus said, again, shake off the dust that is on your feet. Verse 14, King Herod heard of it. Heard of what? Well, heard of what the disciples were doing. Heard what Jesus was doing. For Jesus' name had become known. Some said John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said, He is Elijah. And others said, He is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias held a grudge against him, and wanted to put him to death. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, 
and yet he heard him gladly. I think that's an important part of the story of, of Herod and John the Baptist that's often missed. Um, of course, Mark is telling this story, um, and, and, and Matthew has told it as well. Um, but in Matthew's account, you don't really get this sense of Herod um, being fearful of John because of his righteousness, but rather fearing the people more so. Um, because of how they saw him. But it seems here in Mark that Herod himself saw the righteousness in, in, uh, in John. It says he was greatly perplexed, but he heard him gladly. Meaning he was listening. He was listening to what John had to say, but perhaps the hard heart that he had kept him from hearing it. Verse 21, But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. What opportunity? Well, it's the opportunity for Herodias to kill John. She couldn't do this because Herod wouldn't do it. So the opportunity arose. Verse 22, For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. That's a pretty big, that's a pretty big offer. That's a pretty big offer for a king to put up half of his kingdom for this girl. And she went out and said to her mother, all right, I got it. What should I ask for? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Instead of the whole half of the kingdom, Herodias wanted John the Baptist's head on a platter. Instead of the kingdom, she picks sin. There's some tie-in there. Verse 26, And the king was exceedingly sorry. Because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an execution with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison, and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. So, one of the things that we talked about during the Sermon on the Mount uh, back in Matthew chapter 7, was Jesus' command not to make oaths. Here's a good reason why. <laughs> because when you make an oath, you have to keep it. If you don't keep it, then you're not a man of your word. Let your yes be yes, or your no be no. You don't need to make oaths. But instead, he tells her twice that he'll give her anything that she wants. And so she quickly comes back and says, All right, I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. That is something that Herod didn't want to do. Herod would have rather given up half of his kingdom than killed John the Baptist. But instead, he had to do it because of the oath and because his guests were watching him. Verse 30. You notice how Mark squeezes that story in about John the Baptist, squeezes this story in between the disciples going out and doing these, or these, the apostles going out and doing marvelous things. He squeezes that story in there and he comes back to the original story. Just like we saw in the previous chapter, that's called sandwiching. Mark does it a lot. All right, so now we're back to Jesus and the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, 
come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they, ran, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. And he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups, by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing, and broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. So again, we've heard this story before in Matthew's account. Some interesting details here. Jesus tells them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. And as they did, people recognized them and began to flock to them again. And so Jesus, having compassion on them, because they were sheep without a shepherd, sat down and spoke to them and taught them. And the, the disciples are like, wait, what about our rest? We were supposed to get rest. And they said in verse 35, this is a desolate place, and the hour's late. Jesus, you said go to a desolate place and rest. We're here, we want to rest. Send them away. Send them to go get something to eat so that we can have a break. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And so he puts them back to work. You know, as the title of this video, or the, the post of the video says, being a disciple of Christ can be tiring, both physically, mentally, and spiritually. Working tirelessly for Christ and living the life of a Christian is not a sprint, but it's a marathon. Now, I'm not a runner. Look at me. I'm not a runner. Um, but from what I understand about marathon runners, there are times in which you run hard and times where you run not so hard in order to let your body rest a little bit. Um, but you're still working. And so when you think about that in comparison to what's going on here with the disciples, this desolate place that they're in is restful in comparison to what they had just been doing in terms of going out and preaching and teaching and telling everybody to repent and, and healing and, and all of that and traveling on foot everywhere, mind you. Um, and now they have this opportunity to sit and listen to the great teacher and then serve others. So while they're not sprinting at that moment, they're not running hard, they're still running, but running slow enough in order to get a little bit of rest. But I think, too, there's an important part of this about Jesus and his desire for his disciples to have rest. And again, it, as that applies to us today, rest is an important part of our life. Look at down at verse 45. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. Okay, he said, all right, go. Take your break. Go on the sea. Go on a boat ride and have rest. Now, 
if you're on a calm sea and it is a nice journey, it's comforting, it's relaxing, you can fall asleep. And so Jesus sends them across, get away from the people. The people aren't going to follow you in the boats, follow you in the water. Go. After he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost, and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. There's that hard hearts again. We'll talk about that on Sunday a little bit more. I want you to look uh, at something a little bit different that we see in Mark's account than Peter's account, or I'm sorry, uh, Matthew's account. So uh, Jesus sends them across the lake, go get some rest. But they're having problems. These guys can't get a break, right? They're going across the sea, they're going against the wind, and they're having a tough time getting across the sea. And so Jesus goes and walks on the sea. But he means to pass by them. We didn't get that part in Matthew's account. Um, but they saw him walking on the water. Jesus meant to just go right by them. Say, hey, see you later, guys. Have a good time. And that's not what Jesus was doing. This is, again, as we talked before about mountains and having asking for mountains to be moved for us, and sometimes they don't move. Maybe this mountain, this, this um, difficulty crossing the sea, was to be a mountain to teach the, the apostles um, to rely on one another um, and trust in God. Because that's something that they all have always struggled with. And they continue to do that. Verse 51, when he got into the boat, the wind ceased. Smooth sailing. And they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. They didn't understand about the loaves. They didn't understand how Jesus could just walk on water and get in the boat and the wind stop. They didn't get it. They still didn't get it. Their hearts were hardened. What's missing from this account of Jesus walking on the water? You can leave a comment in the comment section there. What's missing here? We'll come back to it, see if anybody puts anything in the comments. We'll come back and talk about that. So when they had crossed over, they came to land at Genesaret and moored, in the uh, moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplace and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. So Jesus, again, his... Um, his uh, reputation precedes him. <laughs> he gets into the area. People see him. They recognize him. Hey, the Jesus guy's here. The healer's here. Bring out your sick. Bring out your dead. You know, let's go all get healed. He can't go anywhere. There's no rest for Jesus. There's no rest for the apostles. No true rest, what they thought they were getting. They thought that they were going to be getting this glorious, restful time in the shade and in a hammock and sipping a glass of sweet tea under the shade. So let's go back here. 
Nobody left any comments. Maybe maybe nobody's watching or nobody's able to, to leave a comment. The thing that's missing from Jesus walking on the water in Mark's account is that of Peter walking on the water to Jesus, walking out to him. Why is that part missing? Well, as we talked about before, it's held widely held by scholars and, and by, uh, his, by history and tradition that the writer of Mark, John Mark, um, was telling Peter's side of the, the gospel, of, of Jesus' life. And so, of course, Peter's going to leave out that part of him falling into the ocean and not having faith. Um, makes sense to me why, why uh, Mark's account would not have that if it's coming from the mouth of Peter. Not necessarily something Peter would be pretty really proud of. Um, so that kind of makes sense there. Uh, nonetheless, though, uh, we have you know a wonderful, uh, wonderful story here of Jesus, um, and a wonderful telling too of uh, the shepherd that he is. You know, when he goes uh, and sees the crowd there, he has compassion on them because he sees them as um, sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd. He tells his sheep to sit down on the green grass. Well, he prepares a meal for them. I don't know about you, but that brings about pictures of Psalm 23. Doesn't it? I hope this has been an encouraging study for you. I hope you continue uh, in, the, in your study as we go through God's Word together in 2018. Uh, tomorrow we will, uh, I know it's Saturday, but we started a day late this week. And so tomorrow we're going to do Mark chapter 7 uh, around lunchtime, maybe a little bit before tomorrow. Um, so if you have a chance, maybe set some time up. I, I'll tell you what, I will schedule the live video tomorrow so that you have an opportunity to set up and maybe even have your family gather around with you as well as we sit down and we study through God's Word in Mark chapter 7. And I'll, I'll share another invitation tomorrow uh, to join us uh, for worship on Sunday. Again, we have that great potluck coming up on Sunday. Breakfast theme. Woohoo! Um, so I hope you can join us for that. If you have any questions about this study, uh, about this reading, you can leave that in the comments section below. You can also message us privately if you'd like on Facebook. Or you can email us at info at loveland.church. We want to hear from you. If you have any need that we can assist you with or if you'd like prayers for anything please feel free to reach out as well. Hope you have a great rest of your day and have a great weekend. Looking forward to uh, being with you again tomorrow as we look at Mark chapter 7. Have a great rest of your day. Bright and fair, Christ left to prepare a mansion for his children in the air. I'll join him in that land where tears no sorrow can be found. And I'll receive my mansion, mansion, robe and crown. The weather there is always fair, there's sunshine day and night. No cold and no rain will fall there, for the sunshine's ever bright. I'll need no heavy garments, I'll just wrap my robe around. When I receive my mansion, mansion, robe and crown. Mansion, mansion, robe and a crown. Please reserve my mansion, mansion, robe, robe and crown.